Hey everybody, wonderful to be with you. Um, and yeah, I just want to thank Crosspoint again. You're, you're just an amazing church with such a, a heart to serve and you're making it so easy for us to be together. And thank you for all who've made the effort to be here this evening. Okay, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. I'm preaching uh, two short-ish messages tonight. And the first is called, How the Kingdom of God makes us resilient. Acts 1, in the first book, O Theophilus, says Luke, Dr. Luke writing, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Implication that Jesus is still working, amen? Until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. We've been singing about the resurrection of Jesus, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the what? Let's say it together. About the of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, fellas, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But hear this, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him from their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Resurrection of Jesus, ascension of Jesus, 40 days between. And in those 40 days, Jesus spoke to his disciples, we learn from Acts chapter 1, about at least three things. The kingdom of God, the mission of God, and the spirit of God. Specifically, Luke says he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Now that's very informative for us because he's got 40 days with them. Last 40 days, he's like a coach with his team in the minutes before they run onto the field. What's he gonna say to them? What's he gonna underline? What's he gonna emphasize? He can't say everything. He's gonna say the important things. And like any coach, he knows that when his team goes onto the field, they're gonna need to be resilient because they're gonna encounter difficulty. It's gonna be hard work. So he picks his topics of conversation carefully, these last great days with these huge, great conversations, and amongst the best of them was the kingdom of God. And it worked, because throughout Acts, repeatedly, it says, they preached the good news about the kingdom of God, Acts 8. Acts 14, Paul said, through many tribulations, we must enter the... Acts 19, in Ephesus, Paul was reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Chapter 20, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the book ends, 30 years later, the book comes to a close in Acts 28 with Paul in Rome, where he's testifying in Rome about the name of Jesus and teaching them about the kingdom of God. 
But nowhere does Luke tell us from Acts 1, kingdom of God, through to Acts 28, kingdom of God, nowhere does he tell us what Jesus said or what these preachers, Philip, Paul, and others, spoke about the kingdom of God. He just assumed we knew. He assumed the reader would understand. They preached about the kingdom of God. We go, oh, yes, we know about that. In Acts 1, it doesn't, Luke doesn't even elaborate. He just says he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? I think... Well, some things are self-evident in this passage. Then surely beyond that, Jesus would have spoken to them about the kingdom from the Old Testament writings. He would have reminded them about some of the things he had said about the kingdom of God, particularly Matthew 13, all that's there in the kingdom. He would have surely reminded them and spoken to them about those things. So we're going to just dip into this passage and then Old Testament and what Jesus said about the kingdom uh, of God. As we run out from this place tomorrow, back onto the field, we're going to need to be resilient. And the kingdom of God helps us to be resilient. So from this passage, we learn that the kingdom is spiritual, not geographical. English language, you say kingdom, it denotes a geographical territory such as the United Kingdom. Kingdom of God, not so much. It's not a geographical location, but it does have citizens. And the kingdom exists wherever the rule of the king is acknowledged. So you're part of the kingdom of God. You are swept up into the kingdom of God and you're in it because God has enabled you and I to bow our knees to King Jesus. Your your rule and reign we want in our lives. Therefore, we are part of the kingdom. Secondly, we learn from this passage that the kingdom is spiritual, not political. The disciples were a bit confused about that. And they were hoping that Jesus, with his resurrection powers, clearly he had power, uh, was going to, uh, through a military move, in our day it would be a ballot box, uh, that he would free Israel from Rome. That the political dominion of uh, Rome, colonial yoke of Rome would be shed and the re-establishment of Israel The kingdom of God, they were confused with the kingdom of Israel. It was just too much for them. So there's the kingdom of God, and then there's the nation of Israel and the kingdom of Israel, and and Jesus, are you going to do it? And there wasn't a clear fire break in their minds. Now, obviously, there's overlap and there's connection, because where the kingdom of God is, that affects society and politics, but they weren't clear. So their question shows that they were muddled, they were figuring it out. Let's jump right to application. Friends, it's so important that we are clear that the kingdom of America is not one and the same with the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, we pray, will come and will impact society and politics, but we must have a clear fire break. If we don't, we're vulnerable. Not just confused, but we're vulnerable. And we must just register um, that it is particularly difficult for us here in America to keep the fire break. And part of that's a blessing, and I'll come to that, but part of that is a real challenge and a danger for us. But the founding fathers did found this nation as one nation under God. (laughs) Hallelujah. That was the intent. And we celebrate that. And as a result of that initial sort of blending of 
God and the kingdom, please, and in America, there's been ongoing blending of, of biblical and Christian rhetoric in political life and in national life, which is no surprise because that was the intent of the founding fathers. So a couple of examples. Um, former President Obama's new book is coming out at the end of the year, and guess what it's called? A Promised Land. It's a book about his years in office, and he's using biblical language. John Winthrop, one of the, the pilgrims, uh, very early on, he, he encouraged the pilgrim community. He said, we are a city set on a hill. He was using language from Matthew, and he wasn't actually meaning we are the city of God, the people of God. He was actually using it to say, the eyes of the world are on us. They're watching our new little city community <laughs> to see how we're going to do. But he was borrowing biblical language. It's just there. It's, it's in and it, it, it's amongst. And presidents have used that language, city on a hill. JFK used it. Reagan used it. Obama used it. And they were all referring to American exceptionalism. But it's illustrative of this, this blending of Bible and and. and, and nation and, and politics and Christianity, and, and, and it's just, it just goes like this. And part of that's a great blessing, but part of it can be confusing and dangerous. The pro is we can aspire to the kingdom of God coming in our nation. It's always before us. It's in the language. It's there. It's around. We can celebrate that. Say, God, may your kingdom come in America but not confusing the kingdom of God with America. So that's the pro, aspire to it. The con is confusion about the true nature of the kingdom of God and true nature of Christianity. And if there isn't this friar break, we can have three problems. I'm sure we can have more, but I, I can think of three. The first is it can trick Americans into thinking that they are Christians. So if we, over, if we say we are a Christian nation without nuance, we need nuance. We are a Christian nation that we're founded under God, but we're not a Christian nation in any other sense. If, if we say too much, we're a Christian nation, it can, oh, I'm American, therefore I'm a Christian. And people don't even get salvation, because oh, it's, it's a birthright, it's a, it's a national right. I'm a, I'm a Christian, American, therefore a Christian. Problem. Secondly, it can our, dampen our evangelistic fervor within America. We just get more excited about evangelism in, in Africa because something has seeped into us that we think we're a Christian nation in the way that we're not. And the third challenge is that it can make you and I vulnerable when the Romans occupy America in November. Them Romans. Really, they've occupied America. And whether them Romans are that or them Romans are that, you're vulnerable. It's, oh no, no, Jesus, are you gonna kick out the Romans? How's the election gonna go? And Jesus says to us, November is not for you to know, but my Father knows. But whichever way it goes, you will receive power and you will be Agents of kingdom advance in the Midwest and across the states and even into the nations. Whether the Romans get in 
or the Romans stay in, whichever it is for you, Jesus says, you advance the kingdom. I on the kingdom. Yes, pray, vote, but you. It's different. And you're primarily about the kingdom. And your first president is the president of all presidents. And then there's this. We're responsible, but there's a, a fire break. So it's not political. It's spiritual. The third thing we learn from this passage is the kingdom usually comes in a steady way. Say steady. Seldom suddenly. And the disciples were, are you at this time? Now. Suddenly. Sometimes it comes suddenly. But when they said, are you at this time? So now. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the timing. And, and they were probably as, as deflated as I get sometimes. Because God, in the way of the kingdom is we get the broad contours of what God is doing. But we don't get the timing. That belongs to the Father. You and I are seldom confused about what the coming kingdom looks like in, in your individual lives, your family, church, city, nation. That's the, we know that, but it's the blimmin' timing. <laughs> it belongs to the Father. The way of the kingdom is to trust God with the timing. And fourthly, we learn that the kingdom is spread by the Spirit through human witness. You will receive the Spirit and you will be my witnesses. So that's what we learn about the kingdom from this passage. We now speculate, what, what else would Jesus have taught them? I wonder if he would have said in these 40 days in one of his kingdom conversations, Daniel chapter two, because they'd, they'd have known the Old Testament. It's the most spectacular picture of the kingdom. Uh, do you remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He was just a tough dude. He demanded not just the interpretation of the dream he'd had. He said, you've got to tell me the dream I had also. I mean, that's just mean. <laughs> Double trouble. But Daniel, he said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, he, sa he said, King, before you there was an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome, gold, uh, uh, silver, belly and thighs, bronze, legs of iron, and feet partly iron and partly clay. And while you were watching, O king, a rock was cut out, not by human hands. Hallelujah. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them then the iron, clay, bronze, silver, gold were broken into pieces at the same time, and, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. And then Daniel says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And it will crush all other kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. I wonder if Jesus took them back to that in a lesson on the kingdom. I wonder if he said, the kingdoms of this earth are like Goliaths. They look impenetrable, so powerful. I wonder if he said, like David, like, like Daniel, like 
it was, the weak spot was here. Goliath, the weak spot was here. David knew about, David knew about the things of the kingdom. There's always a weak spot. Everyone else was saying, oh, look how big and muscly he is. David was just saying, oh, man, look how big his forehead is. <laughs> There's always a weak spot. God can just act. It wasn't me, I don't know who it was, who spoke of the way of the kingdom as an opera. That often it's long, it's long, and often there's just a mournful part to it. And it's just like this is going on forever. And then the key does change to a major key. Just be, we need to be patient in this part of the, the opera. So I wonder if he spoke to them about, about that, that there's a, a rock of ages, a heavenly bowling ball, ball cut out not by human hands, this immaculate conception, virgin, but this, this Jesus. And he always hits the weak spot and there always is a weak spot. That thing you got going on with you, your head or your heart, relationship, kid, church, COVID, that, there's a weak spot. And the kingdom of, of God through Jesus always hits the mark in God's time. I'm sure he would have spoken to them from Matthew 13, some of the things that Jesus said about the kingdom. He'd have reminded them, he said, do you remember I told you that parable of the soil? Some call it the parable of the sower. It's really the parable of the soil. Because it's about, well, the seed, the seed of the word of God really only wins in one out of four people in that, in that uh, parable. The path that just bounces off, ding! Rocky, not deep enough, no roots, thorns, strangling, cares and worries of this world, deceitfulness of riches, but then there's good soil. The point is soil counts in the kingdom. So to see the kingdom come in our lives, our job is to keep the soil good. I mean, the Lord helps with that. It's not get on with that by yourself. But the supernatural seed, and we'll see this, the supernatural elements in the kingdom that, that grow, like this rock in the Old Testament this, that became a mountain, supernatural. We're going to see yeast in a minute. Here, 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 and the seed, but the soil is important. And so for us and those we lead, we need to keep helping them, helping ourselves and one another with our soil. Keep your soil soft. Because if you do that, the seed of the kingdom will bear fruit. That, that's, the, that's the difficult bit and the supernatural bit. We just need to keep our soil soft. Not, not, don't be like a path. Boom, bouncing off. Don't be shallow. It takes time. Let's do community. Let's do truth. It's being God's presence. The kingdom needs good soil. Jesus said in the same chapter, it's like a mustard seed. This big, dark, damp, hidden. Do you feel like that? It's so dark at the moment. I feel so alone. It's damp all around me and I'm so small. What's that? It's called a seed in the kingdom of God. It will break through. It will come up. It's called being in the soil. It will grow into a huge tree. 
that will give hospitality and shade to so many. Our church, no one knows us, just in the ground, feel like a seed. That's a great thing to be. Not feel like a seed, it's like we feel like a seed. We're unknown, hidden, dark, damp. Feel like a seed, have a glint in your eye when you say it. It's not like we're just like a seed stuck underground, it's like we're a seed stuck underground. Jesus said the kingdom is like yeast or leaven. It's amazing. He said a woman put it in three cakes. I hadn't registered that before. I knew the kingdom of God was like heaven. A woman put it in three cakes. Say three. And it says they all rose. You may feel, I've got so many situations in my life. I need the kingdom of God to come in my marriage. I need the kingdom of God to come in that. My kids in our church, and then there's my business. God can do it. Cake number one, cake number two, cake number three, they all rose. They all rose. It's a beautiful scripture. He says the kingdom of God is like treasure in a field, or like a pearl. Sold everything to buy the field. Sold everything to get that pearl. It's worth it. That's the point there. The kingdom of God is worth it. Don't let the devil lie to you that's not worth it. We need to stir one another up to love and good deeds. Do not lose heart, brothers and sisters. It is worth it. Jesus said it's like a store owner. I read this in the Message Bible. He said the kingdom of God is like a a person who owns a store, and in it you can get anything, things old and things new. Isn't that beautiful? The kingdom of God is like that. Thank God for new things, but let's do the old things well. This is a season at the moment when God is causing us to return to old things. Do the basics well, brothers and sisters. Basics well. Jesus and elsewhere, outside of Matthew 13, oh, actually still in Matthew 13, sorry. He said the kingdom of God is like a fishing net and there's bad fish and good fish and they only get separated when? Tomorrow? End of the age, people. So he's saying the kingdom of God has come but not yet fully come. Bad fish, good fish. Uh, It's like wheat and weeds. (laughs) They only get separated. Take those weeds out. It's probably only going to happen at the end of the age. So Jesus was teaching the kingdom of God is still coming. He also taught the kingdom of God has come. Mark 1, 14. So the kingdom of God is here amongst you. He taught us to pray in Matthew 6. Thy kingdom come. That's saying God's kingdom is here now. He would have surely touched on these things in these 40 days. How then shall we live? Well, because the kingdom is still coming, it's this and this, we live with resilient patience. We've got to be patient because the kingdom is not yet fully here. How then should we live? We live with breakthrough faith because the kingdom of God is now. And uh, I've now, as a preacher, got a choice. Do I spend my dying minutes remaining minutes stirring us to resilient patience because the kingdom of God is not yet fully here or stirring us to uh, break through faith because the kingdom of God is here now and I'm going the breakthrough faith route because the kingdom of God is here now. John G. Lake said, if an angel took you on a tour of heaven, would you find crime? 
No. The lion and the lamb lie down together. Would you find racism? No, every tribe and tongue. Would you find poverty? No, everyone has their own tree and their own shade. So we work and live actively against crime, poverty, and racism, to mention just three things, because those are not part of the kingdom of God. John G. Lake said, Jesus did not teach us to pray, let thy will be done, let calamity come. Let my children be stricken with fever or my son go to an insane asylum. Rather, he taught us to pray, let the might of God be known. Let the might of God descend. Let God avert that calamity that is coming. Break through faith. Friends, we need to refresh our conviction that we have a mandate to take the gospel forward. On the first eldership team, the first church we ever planted, it was myself, Scott, and Derek, and Zim, Zimbabwe, three elders. Uh, Derek was the, uh, he was the quiet, sensible, quiet, strong marketplace dude uh, on the eldership team. And uh, at the end of every elders meeting, and I mean pretty much every elders meeting, uh, he would say at the end, he often wasn't very talkative during elders meetings, but at the end, he would say, uh, in a British accent, ripping me off for my British accent, he would say, forward, I say men, forward. And he said it once, then he said it twice, and then it became a habit, and he would always say it, and now it's become legend. Every eldership team needs to hear that every meeting. Forward, I say, men forward. I was in Australia once and listening to a speech by a former Australian cricket captain after dinner speech. Very funny guy, Kim Hughes. And uh, after telling jokes for 20 minutes, he leant forward on his lectern, and he told us of the two animals on the, the cap, the cricket cap of the Australian team, the emu and the kangaroo. And he said, uh, what many people don't know is that the emu and the kangaroo are the only animals on, in all Australasia who are physiologically incapable of going backward. So apparently, if you're an emu or a kangaroo, if you want to go in that direction, you can't just do this. You, 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 you know, you've got to... <laughs> and then it, it, went, it went quiet, and he leant forward, and he said, these animals were well chosen. For I say to you tonight, it is un-Australian to go backward. <laughs> and for a very brief moment, I thought, I want to be an Australian. <laughs> Fortunately, the moment of insanity soon passed, <laughs> yet it marked me. And God, just in that moment, I thought, well, that's you, you speaking to me. It is un-kingdom of God citizen-like. It is un-elder-like to go backward. Churchill said, wars are not won through evacuations. Hold the line. Even if you can't go forward at the moment, just don't go back. Oh, but we are, we're shrinking. No, no, don't go back here in faith. John G. Lake may have the final word. As he got dressed each day as an evangelist, he was into wearing nice suits and things. And uh, apparently he made a, a habit of walking to his mirror and pointing at it as if to another person and he would say, God lives in that man in that suit of clothes. And where that suit of clothes goes today, God goes. 
He's commissioning himself afresh. I'm a carrier of the kingdom of God. Everything that the kingdom represents, yeast, seed, leaven, old and new, breakthrough faith and resilient patience. So I'm a carrier of the kingdom. He was setting himself right back again in the book of Acts. Coach Jesus talking in these remaining days about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is unstoppable. Daniel 2, like, like a, a, a rock cut out, not by human hands, that will grow and will bring every other kingdom, every other kingdom to its knees, every other dark spirit to its knees. Father, I pray that this kingdom truth, Jesus, the, it's just this, maybe these hours we've got together a, a bit like these 40 days, you, you helping us through your word and your spirit to be resilient and advances of the kingdom as we go out. I do pray that tonight and in our hours together tomorrow that we would receive afresh the rule of the king of the kingdom. The spirit of God, fresh passion for the mission of God, confidence in the coming kingdom of God. I pray for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.